All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 112 of Convos on the Pedicab. I'm here with John Gordon. He is the head of business development at Crowd Health. Uh, Crowd Health is a what is it? We're an affordable alternative to health insurance using healthcare crowdfunding and Bitcoin to help people access and pay for medical care in a totally new parallel way to our broken system. I, very interesting, and I'm really excited to have you. Uh, before we get started, though, we got to give a big shout out to our sponsor. Um, this episode is brought to you by Pleb Lab. Pleb Lab is an Austin, Texas-based Bitcoin and media company that allows individuals and small businesses to adopt Bitcoin and utilize it in their everyday lives. They also have a media outlet where they host podcasts, produce news, and help organize the appearance of prominent speakers in the Bitcoin community here in Austin. Remember, guys, the best way to preserve your purchasing power and protect yourself from currency debasement is to own sound money. And the best way to unapologetically express your true self is to have permissionless and censorship-resistant money at your disposal that cannot be confiscated or frozen by a corrupt bank or government. So check out Pleb Lab if you would like to learn more about Bitcoin and protecting your personal as well as your financial sovereignty, guys. All right, John, I'm so happy to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. This is super fun. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. Like, our healthcare system... It is a mess and it, it, it kind of um, feels as though through messaging um, via the media, via um, big tech platforms, via family that, you know, it's really important to have actual government health, government or corporate health care. And people literally choose their careers or their jobs or base their entire livelihoods and sacrifice so much time and happiness and put aside goals that will make them fulfilled just so that they don't go bankrupt seeing a doctor. And that's an inherently messed up way to have to go through life. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't always meant to be this way. It was really happenstance. You had wage freezes during World War II and companies couldn't increase their wages. So they started offering health insurance as a benefit for their employees. And now we see half of the country, over 160 million people, getting health insurance from their employer. And people making those decisions and really stifling entrepreneurship and innovation because exactly as you said, people are stuck to their jobs because they feel they need health insurance. Well, you don't need insurance. Wait, they froze wages in World War II? Oh, yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Because that's pretty interesting. <laughs> like, I had no idea about that. Yeah. You know, with a lot of the inflation that was going on and going to fight the war, they had to set really rations, a lot of, you know, rationing a lot of parts of the economy. So that included wage freezes and I know you had to ration controls. food and you had to ration gas and there was stuff like that. Yeah, labor as well. So labor being another input of business uh, was another piece of that. So you saw over time then the government encroaching more and more into healthcare uh, with Medicare and Medicaid launching in the 60s and 70s and so on, where now you've got a third of the country get on Medicare, insurance for the elderly over 65, and disabled and Medicaid for low income individuals. So you work at a healthcare company at a health, I guess a healthcare company, um, for lack of a better word. Can you explain what Medicare and Medicaid is? Because I hear that word thrown around all the time and I could never really explain or understand what any of that means, especially you have people like Bernie Sanders and you have all that. You have these like progressive socialists literally running campaigns on Medicare for all. And every time I try to have a conversation with someone about that, I can't because I don't really even know what Medicare and Medicaid means and why I need it or why anybody would need it or how, how that's even sold to people. Yeah. So we could go for hours and hours on this, but essentially health, the way health insurance works is that 
they collect premiums, right? Premiums each month to pool the financial and health risk of the population that they're covering. And then they pay out claims to providers, right? So doctors and hospitals. So you can envision it almost like a triangle. You have the consumer of healthcare, us, the individual. You have the payer for healthcare now, insurance, and the provider. And what you need to understand about insurance side and who pays for healthcare has significant impacts on delivery and really the incentive structure of the whole industry. So for Medicare, it's for the elderly and disabled, right? So for over 65, now the government becomes the payer. For Medicaid low income, it's organized at the state level. So each state also has different regulation. Okay, because if you don't have a job and you've retired, now you don't have health care anymore because your employer is not paying for your health care and you're most at risk to uh, having to need health care. And because you're at risk, the company will charge you a higher premium. And if you're on Medicare and Medicaid, your weight, your rates are fixed for paying for these health care costs. And that's how they sell it. Yep. So the government sets the rate that they pay providers for the various services or drugs or labs all the different healthcare services that you're getting. And you could be on Medicaid, sorry if I'm interrupting. Yeah, go you could be on Medicaid if you're like just sick and young too, right? Yeah. It depends on where you're at in relation to the federal poverty level and it differs by state. So about 35, 37 states have actually expanded Medicaid coverage so that even if you're making a bit more, you can still qualify for Medicaid. And I actually worked at a large uh, insurance plan before where we were covering about 700,000 lives across Illinois, New Mexico, and Texas, and kind of seeing from the inside what that looks like uh, on the payer side. And what's interesting is actually the commercial side. So employers are paying 250% more for the same exact service than the government is paying providers. So if uh, then the government's paying on Medicare and Medicaid rates. So what ends up happening is employers are actually footing the bill and those hospitals and health systems that have also consolidated now you've seen a lot of consolidation in the industry and i think there's a huge theme you know bitcoin is decentralization what we see in the current healthcare industry is consolidation centralization and the ultimate incentive is for prices and premiums to go up why because instituted with obamacare uh, and affordable care act about a decade ago insurance companies profits are capped so for every $100 they bring in in premiums, they have to spend 85 on medical care. It's called the medical loss ratio. Well, that doesn't sound bad. So it doesn't sound bad until and it was put in with, you know, trying to say, okay, we want to limit the profits here. But now if they bring in, let's give an example, $1,000 worth of premiums, they have to spend 850. So that's $150 profit. So now the only way for their bottom line to grow, for that 150 to grow to 165, their premiums that they collect need to be $1,100. So you so, see how the incentive is for price okay. premiums so to go up. So basically the insurance companies have to pay 85% of their premiums to helping people. Correct. And so if I'm an insurance company, I'm just gonna continue to raise my premium. So, but what happens if they don't do that? Then they just pocket the money and then you don't get any medical care at all. And there's a whole process with pre-authorizations and claims denials. And I think the friction in the industry and people interacting where you have this third party that's telling the doctors what they can and can't do from a procedural, from a testing, from a lab perspective. So now that physician's hands are also tied because they're the ones who are providing the care, but they need to know, is this going to be paid for by the insurance company 
depending on the rules that they set in motion. So, and it's difficult, right, for people to access and pay for care. And you've got 30 million uninsured Americans in this country, another 15 million that are going onto the exchanges, these statewide-run marketplaces, to go I'm, I'm and get insurance. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully by the end of this conversation, you'll be you'll want to ditch your traditional health insurance yeah, and I understand mean, that there is an alternative. Right. To so that. right now, as it stands with what I'm paying, I'm actually paying less money than I would be to use Crowd Health. Um, Are you getting because of, of subsidies or just because of my job and because with petty cash, just because of everything what I make, what I make, I actually am able to qual because of what I make. I would be at least last year I paid like eight, 80 bucks a month or something in health insurance. To have like a really good like, what was the what was the plan or how it must have been subsidized somehow because on yeah, average americans are paying it's an obamacare yeah. subs it's yeah, a, so it's subsidized. i always get it through, through the marketplace yeah. and this is the most i ever paid was like 80 bucks a month yeah because i made more money um in 2021 than i ever did right so it was like 80 bucks a month but so those are the insurance marketplace it opens up tomorrow actually so open enrollment is november 1st to january 15th when yeah. individuals can but make those annual phone, enrollments you're like like so i'm not bad if i'm in no, you're like, good being on the phone these people is like the worst it's like I dread it every single year. I'm on the phone there for like an hour having to pick a plan, having to tell them what I what I think I'm going to make, not being 100% sure if it's like the accurate, like how accurate the number is going to be, if I'm going to be off by like a thousand, if I'm going to be off by a few hundred, because I don't know what happens until the end of Jan December when I get all my stuff for my Venmo and, and all, the, all the digital payments and my, my, you know, my um, W-2s for all the jobs I have, right? And like being on the phone with these people, is it just, it's just a stressful... It's it's just a stressful pain in the ass that I like I dread every year and I have to like meditate or like smoke some weed or do something before I even or do yoga or, do, or like go work out or do something yeah. before I even talk to them and it's every time I try to pick a health plan it's almost an entire day wasted um, trying to do that and then it's also one of those things where like what happens if like you start make like you know look I'm I'm starting to get a little bit more visibility I'm, I'm getting the sponsorship from Pleb Lab. There are going to be other companies that will start sponsoring me because I'm putting out really good content. Absolutely. And um, we're, we've uh, chatted with Kyle and Pleb Lab as well because I think the crowd health vision and really solution for individuals and gig workers like yourself and pedicabbers out there, you're hustling for yourself. You're not at a traditional company who's going to be paying for this. Now, here are the tools that you need to access and pay for healthcare and a direct-to-consumer experience that you haven't had which in the traditional system, which is very much built business to business, right? Yeah, so yeah. now with CrowdHealth, you have a care advocate who will help you navigate your healthcare journey. And you can go to any doctor you want. You don't have a network. In your Blue Cross plan, you have a certain number of docs that you can go to, right? Doctor, and then I also have to figure out when they're going to see patients. And some of these doctors, they're backed up forever. Like I haven't even gone, I haven't even had a checkup or gone to the dentist in like over a year. You know what I mean? Like just because I'm like, I have so much to do, so much going on. I have to like go online, go search my available network. I have to actually figure out if, if you cover me when I can see you. And, and it's just, it just becomes like this huge process that I don't have the time to do because I'm doing a bazillion things at once. And you know, if I can just literally say doctor near me, go to a doctor, um, get the bill and say, Hey guys, uh, my checkup was $250. Um, can y'all fund this? Yeah. And it's just easy. And then like, and then it's simple yeah. cash pay. And that's really the value for value exchange. So when you cut out insurance as the middleman, you can go directly to a provider and say, what's your price? It's a federal statute that you can get a fair price for a healthcare service in this country, so okay. but prices are not transparent, right? It's hard to go. And then it is an, and as an individual. So with crowd health, 
we'll actually do a lot of those services for you and help you navigate, negotiate a better price. And we have a lot of stories of how we've really helped members and take that off your plate. So how does that work? So because if I'm if I'm going to ditch this Obamacare thing that I'm luckily able to still get for at least this probably next this year, right? Like in 23. What do I like? How, what would happen if I say, man, I'm done with this. I'm using CrowdHealth. Yeah. So you'll don't sign up for your Obamacare plan. Right. You'll go to joincrowdhealth.com and sign up. And if you use the promo code HODL, H-O-D-L, for six months, $99 a month. All right. Traditionally, how it works at CrowdHealth is that you're paying $175 a month yeah. for anyone up to 54 54 to 65 you're paying $325 a month. For a family, $695 a month. How does that work? $30 per person goes to CrowdHealth. So out of that $175, $30 is our revenue, the subscription fee to get access to all the services that we're providing. The other 145 you put into your crowdfund account. It's an account in your name. It's your money. While you're in crowd health, you're actually using that to help crowdfund other people's health expenses. So I'm using that I'm using that 140 in that's already in my account to fund people's expenses. Exactly. And now if you need to go to the doctor, let's you know give an example. And recently we had a member who had a boating accident. Okay. And unfortunately there were some fingers severed and we were working very closely with our crowd health care advocate jasmine to navigate this challenge so they go to the er and the bill was eighteen thousand dollars for that whole health event to uh take care of this member all right we actually negotiated that down to six thousand dollars the member is responsible to pay the first five hundred dollars of the health event so of the remaining fifty five hundred we go out to a hundred members and say are you willing to contribute $55 to this person's uh, emergency visit in so-and-so state, right? So you don't have individual information and their generosity score is 100. So you get a generosity. Repeat that one more time. Yeah. So we'll go out to 100 members and ask for $55. They can say yes or no, each individual. Because that's what you negotiated down to $5,500. Yeah. So we've negotiated that price down. So we're making sure that for the community, the bill is as low as possible. And you negotiated from 18K to 5,500. To to 6K. All right. And I want to talk about how y'all do that. Yeah. That's also interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And you get a generosity score based on your track record of giving. So now if that member, when they've been asked, if they have contributed, they'll have a score of 100. Okay. And now you see this member's been a generous member of the community. And that's where almost, you know, for thousands of years as humans, if we got sick, if something happened to us, the community rallied for support. And in our current, you know, really dehumanized healthcare system and really more sick care system, you don't have that support from that community to, you know, not only navigate and deal with that healthcare issue, but also helping to pay for it. So you can think about it like a proactive GoFundMe. Right, so GoFundMe is crowdfunding for you know, whatever you need in your life, right? But actually, one in three GoFundMe's are for medical expenses. Yeah, I noticed that. Yes, six hundred fifty million dollars a year is being raised on GoFundMe. Yeah, and then GoFundMe, but GoFundMe doesn't negotiate with the doctor the cost of the procedure, so you're just stuck with a monster bill. Whereas with you guys, you negotiate it. Okay. Yeah, so we're getting that bill down, and only twelve percent of those uh, GoFundMe's actually get funded and you got to go public with your sensitive healthcare issue versus crowd health so far you know all the bills have been crowdfunded and so the crowd uh crowd health started about a year and a half ago we had members join last year and that's the case so far so while we're not insurance 
It's not a guarantee. So far, the community's come together and been generous to support each other. How many members do you have in, in your network? We've got a couple thousand members right now in Crowd Health and across all Austin 50 states. Or, all, or is it a 50 state? Like, so it's an Austin company, right? Yep. Austin-based, our founder, Andy Schoonover, uh, started the company about a year and a half ago. Okay. And so we're here in Austin, actually working out of the Bitcoin Commons. I like that. Very I, I just much integrated. An unchained account, actually, with, with those guys. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I got I got a multi stick. I actually just got paid by Kyle today through my multi. I sent. I uh, used Zaprite for the first time. Nice, and John I and Zaprite. Yeah. Dude, John's a man. Yeah. Uh, I created a Proton Mail account um, before doing that because I'm not, not even trying to have any of that out there, right? So. Yeah. yeah I created a Proton Amazing. Mail account and um, sent him sent Kyle an email. With the um, sent him an invoice with the um, with the multi sig. Mm -hmm. Talked to Kyle on the phone before we did it. I was like, "Hey, we're gonna talk and make sure this is, this works. Everything is correct." It was no problem. It was so easy. That's amazing. It was so e it got done so easily. Like it was crazy how easy how easy this got done. Yeah, and we can remove a lot of the friction from the transaction perspective too. Uh, you know, tapping into Bitcoin, and you know, we're both wearing these shirts here. I love that you're rocking the the Bitcoin no, fixes dude, health. I, I was gonna rock my pleb lab shirt for this, but then I realized, oh no, I gotta I gotta get this, and I saw it right <laughs> in my in my closet, and so. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So Bitcoin, you know, and really healthcare on a Bitcoin standard, it, in the tools and the way that Crowd Health is set up. It really flips the incentives around because now we're merging the payer and the consumer of healthcare into one. So now we're active consumers finding, you know, negotiating a better price. And with Bitcoin now, the Bitcoin piece is that you're holding this money in this crowdfund account, right? That's used to help pay for other people's health expenses. If you choose to join the Bitcoin crowd, 75% of what you're holding will be held in Bitcoin. So we partnered with Swan. Okay. Bitcoin in order to do that. And that went live this month, actually. Wow. Okay. So that 25% is held in fiat to help after is, four months. Is Swan sponsoring you guys or giving you guys any extra money or do you just have a partnership where you just put it in their account? Yep. A partnership. And we were, we're closely with them on the, for the tech integration to make that a seamless experience. Okay. But Swan isn't like sponsoring this or paying for any of this. Is They're a custody custodian. So essentially the Bitcoin will be custodied for now at Swan. So you'll have an account at Swan. After four months, three quarters of what you're putting in each month will be held in Bitcoin. And now you're stacking sats instead of paying health insurance premium. So even your, if you get with the subsidies, it's only $80 premium a month. The way insurance works, you're never getting that money back, right? With crowd health, that's your money. That's your Bitcoin. If Bitcoin appreciates at five X's from here, you know, we hit that hundred K. So if I leave crowd health, I could take the money. I could take all the money that I pooled in like 175 bucks a month, right? Because you keep 35, right? And so, like, if I decide to leave after like five years, right, I get those hundred dollars, those hundred forty bucks a month back that I put in. Yeah, minus the subscription fee, and then there's a small closing fee at the end, just on the back end to close those accounts. But otherwise, that's because all that, your money. Because those hundred dollars, that money is really there. Not that money is there to subsidize other people's stuff. So, I whatever is left over, I can take back home with me. Yep, and that's where it depends on kind of what the. You know how members healthcare experiences go but what we've seen so far is you know, for every hundred dollars that people put into crowdfunding about 30 is being spent on medical care and now that number can change but again we're not insurance and we're not it's not a pool those are individuals okay. that are holding that money in their account and voluntarily contributing okay. so that's the really the flip of the paradigm so john here's another question though what if like i just can't afford what if um i get a message like that where you're like hey um somebody tore their acl somebody broke their arm um and we're at we need a hundred bucks from a hundred members. I just 
but I only want I can only give fifty. Can I just say I'm I am giving fifty? Like how does that work? Yeah. How would that affect my generosity score? Yep. So if you gave fifty out of the hundred, then your generosity score would go down from a hundred to fifty. So it's essentially oh. the amount that you've given divided by uh, over the amount that you've been asked for. So if you give a hundred out of the hundred, your generosity score will be a hundred. And so the reason that you do the hundred dollar thing is so that this way um, people don't feel like they're being spammed with donations. Yeah, and it you know you I might saw- get one once a month. You know it kind of depends yeah. on as the flow of you know health events uh, go on, yeah. and as we're working that on you know the operations I was, side. I was, I was listening to that Andy talk on like the Lightning Network right before, mm-hmm. um, and someone asked him, "Why don't you just ask for two dollars or three dollars because it's easier to stomach?" And then he said, "Well, because then people are just going to feel like they're being spammed. They're mm-hmm. going to turn it off. Whereas if you're just being asked for one hundred dollar donation, you're only going to get asked once per month." And you will still have like 30 bucks left in that account that you can just keep for yourself anyway. So you can see the value and the benefit. And because you have a generosity score and people see that and it's public, you're going to create a, um, a situation and a dynamic where more people will want to help you because they'll see that you're willing to help and you're a part of that community. And it, it, this is a very, it, it's yep. mutual aid. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's aligning aid, it's, it's aligning incentives aid without the communism. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's voluntary. It's very you know it's like a it's like a kibbutz. You know, yeah, it's a I'm community. Just, yeah, yeah, so, okay. Yeah, it's like a kibbutz. It's yeah. people coming together to support each other. And now we don't have to be physically in the same place. And that's part of the beauty of Crowd Health too, because we don't have networks. It's not based on specific location. You can go to any facility again and we'll help you navigate you need to find a specialist we'll go find that specialist and say what's the price right and now we're getting that fair price and why will hospitals and doctors give better pricing to an individual how do we have more negotiating power than united healthcare well united and the other big companies are pre-contracting all those rates so even for example you go to the er if your anesthesiologist is technically out of network they have a set price your insurance plan does already you might be you might be ten thousand dollars for that 15 minute visit and you're out of luck. There's nothing you can do. That's an already contracted price. Hospitals are only getting nine cents on the dollar for all the debt that they're chasing. So they know that, you know, they don't want to put you in bankruptcy. They don't want to put you in debt. A lot of hospitals are nonprofits. You know, they're really mission driven and they'll even give out charity care. They'll do hospitals all corporate. Like every hospital I see is a corporate hospital. That's been more of the trend. And there are for-profit hospitals and there are non-for-profit hospitals. Um, But really most of them and a lot of my experience is working in strategy consulting for hospitals and health systems, I mean, they're being run like like businesses, right? And they want to improve the consumer experience and they want to, you know, be there for their community. But the way the structure is set up is that they're getting squeezed. Hospitals are really getting squeezed. So they're more than happy to talk to a patient and now get paid in cash on the day of the service. They don't have to wait 60 to 90 days to get paid by their insurance company for that but, service they okay, provided. So if I'm going to get a checkup, right, and I have this, this crowd health, mm-hmm. Um, do I negotiate what I want to pay before I go into the, for my checkup? Do I negotiate when I'm at the spot? Like how does that work for me as the patient? Yeah. So we'll talk to that provider ahead of time and let you know, Hey, the, this is, it's going to be, and I went to this recently, you know, it's 150 bucks. So I, I'll right? call, so I call the doctor. Hey, I want to check up. Um, I want, I want to get a routine checkup. This is my provider. My provider is crowd health. Um, you don't even need to say that. Okay, you basically say I'm self pay. Like I'm you self, can, okay. you don't, you don't need to. All right. Yep. So then what do I do after I tell them that? Before I even go in. So then they'll say, here's our price. You go in and get the service. You'd pay uh, for that you know, checkup visit up front. And you'll submit that your bill on our app to CrowdHealth. 
we'll go out and crowdfund in the community. Okay, but you said that you can negotiate get a lower bill anyway. Yeah. And so those are that's more for the checkups. And actually, from a preventative perspective, you get an annual wellness visit each year as, as a crowd health member where the $500 commitment is waived. So essentially, wow. you can go in and get your visit, get your labs. And we're getting labs for, I think my labs were 70 bucks instead of $800. That normally would have been the charge for the full panel that, that I got personally. But for those bigger procedures that are planned, say you do have your ACL surgery coming yeah. up, we'll crowdfund in advance of the surgery. Okay, what if I have to go to the ER? ER, EMTALA is a law that came into effect in the early 80s. Anyone, they have to see you. And you're getting those bills a month, two months, three months after the fact. So we'll go through and check those bills to make sure they're not wrong. And actually 80% of ER bills, of all medical bills are just incorrect. Okay. So we'll make sure we'll check that bill and then we'll facilitate crowdfunding for, you know, that negotiated amount. So, so, so you don't pay ER visits just, just up to backtrack because I'm like, I want to, um, yeah, I, it's I, a I, lot. I'm talking to you like I'm six years old because <laughs> that's, that's how I feel right now with this. Good. Right. It's a lot. So God forbid fall for roof, break my leg. Got to go to the ER. Um, I'm, I'm in the hospital. I get discharged from the hospital. Um, once I get the bill. I send the bill to you and then you negotiate the bill with the hospital. Yeah. And ideally, you know, you'll let us know, you'll let our care advocate know as soon as possible when that emergency is coming up. So you go get the care you need, but then for that post-op or PT or anything you need follow up, you'll continue to submit bills towards that health event. So that's all considered one health event. Okay. How long have you guys been around for? Uh, the company started about a year and a half ago okay. and members jo started joining last October. And how has membership has membership how has membership um, been these past few months? Has have you noticed an increase or a decrease, or how's how the numbers been looking? Because yeah, like I don't want to you know for me to sacrifice um, a guaranteed healthcare system for something like this is something you know that that's a very serious thing. So you want to know if, if it's if what if you're sacrificing if you're sacrificing into something that's going to be like long term worthwhile or something that's going to actually be tangible and feasible. And, and actually have solvency too in, in yeah. today's day and age with all these companies going under and liquidity and all that stuff. So, Yeah, and absolutely fair questions. And what's interesting is in there you said that the traditional system is guaranteed. And I'd like people to think and understand that it actually isn't guaranteed. And in fact, there's 250,000 families going bankrupt every year from medical care that had health insurance. So just because you have insurance doesn't guarantee you from going into debt from medical care. And one in three Americans actually unfortunately has medical debt as it's become a larger and larger part of the budget, right? 250% uh, increase in deductibles in the last uh, couple decades. So as you've seen those prices and premiums grow up, go up, people are wanting to ditch the system, right? And try something different. And for crowd health, we're attracting those individuals that are also fed up with the system and see that they can, you know, with their feet or with themselves and their family, there's another way to do this. And there's a lot of factors that actually, you know, go into our health that, don't include direct medical care, pharmaceuticals, and so on, right? And you've had conversations with you know, Cole Bolton and KNC Cattle and what Texas Slim is doing in the beef initiative. You know, there's what we eat and what we consume ends up, you know, leading to the health care that we need down the road. And there's a lot that we can do to take care of our bodies and take control of our health. And by we're really where we've seen a lot of the growth and what attracted me to Crowd Health to join uh, earlier this year was the Bitcoin piece. And we have a lot of Bitcoiners that are finding crowd health and realizing that, you know, you don't need a bank anymore, right? And today is actually the, you know, we're in the hat for Halloween. It's also white paper day. 
Right? I know, I it's, saw, yeah, it's White Paper Day, 14th anniversary, yeah. Yeah, 14th anniversary of White Paper Day, and now well, we I'm have- I'm wearing this mask also, not only because it's Halloween, but um, cause we're, we're talking about healthcare, and like, you know, I'm so little worried about COVID and a new variant popping out, so, you know, the mask is really to protect you, John. And, <laughs> I appreciate that. And it's about science. Yeah, and I think a lot <laughs> of people, you know, the last few couple years, you've seen, you know, a lot of our traditional institutions being challenged, and seeing that there's another way to do this. So now instead of throwing in premiums each month and hoping you know, that the one in 200 chance that something serious happens to you uh, and that you're covered, that's really a, a high time preference mindset, right? Versus Bitcoin, a low time preference mindset. Now our members are holding Bitcoin and we're taking that value out of the system that's going to all these middlemen, right? There's 25% of the cost in healthcare is administrative costs and half of that's waste. And $4 trillion a year is being spent on healthcare in this country. It's 20% of the economy. So now if we can start sucking some of that you know, value or really what's getting lost in the system out there and back into individuals' pockets, saving for the long term for those rainy days, if you do have a healthcare need, that's where I think it starts to click in Bitcoiners' minds. Are you worried about like the government or anybody coming after you because what you're doing seems like it could actually pose a direct threat to legacy healthcare? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we're doing is very different than the traditional and legacy health insurance system. It's diff, you know, Bitcoin is very different than the traditional finance and banking system. So we're very clear and upfront. You know, this isn't insurance, and we're operating in this crowdfunding model that's voluntary. That people are choosing to you know be a part of this uh, community, and we're seeing growth. We're seeing that you know when you look at the expense, you know, for an individual in what even companies are paying $8,000 a year to insure an individual, $22,000 a year for premiums just for a family of four. And then you add on top of that, the thousands of dollars deductible and co-pays and their network. As you said, it's the explanation of benefits. That's a couple hundred pages is just overwhelming, right? I'm How do you even make your yeah. choice? I, I, yeah, it's impossible. Um, it's like it, you have to just literally flip a coin or do any, any, any more or something when it comes to this. Um, but, you know, Everything that we're talking about when it comes to healthcare is literally why people are advocating for communism. <laughs> yeah. And if uh, you hear, you know, one payer system or a government, you know, system, that would be, you know, that is an option. You can look at other countries and, you know, I've studied other countries' health systems around the world through a master's program that was really enlightening. And it was seeing, okay, there are other ways to do it, do this, but there's always trade-offs. You know, you could go to Canada and you say it's, you know, national me uh, socialized medicine, but that's coming out of their paycheck, right? That's coming in the form of taxes. 55% and... of what you make goes away for a service that you might never even need. Yeah. And then now if you need that ACL surgery, good luck waiting a year you know, to get your name on the wait list. So what we're bringing is really free market economics into healthcare through pricing, through you know, really supply and demand to say uh, this is you know, just like for your car, you know, if you're going to get an oil change or you're going to buy a new car, you're going to know what the price is, right? Yeah. You should know for healthcare. Exactly. And you should also make it easier to um, create insurance companies. It, it seems like it's pretty hard to create an insurance company in general. It is. And you look at the startups in this space, whether it's Oscar um, or even, you know, recently you had Bright Health pull out of a lot of the individual marketplaces because it is a challenge to start up insurance. And so very clearly, crowd health isn't insurance, but we can leverage really the free market and in 
And nationally, the mandate for having health insurance was struck down. So there are still five states where you will get penalized for not having health insurance. Which is ridiculous because not only um, are you getting ripped off by your health care provider, but now we're going to fine you for not using the health care provider that doesn't work that's ripping you off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and then you see a lot of people, you know, moving down to Texas or Florida to states that, you know, have more freedom and openness and other models of care. You know, we t we tie in really greatly with uh, direct primary care services where members are paying cash uh, monthly to have access to a physician. And we provide other tools to our members, such as 24 seven access to telemedicine. So what, primary care, urgent care, what, what talk about, like, therapy. Physical therapy. Like if you have to go to physical therapy and do stuff like that, like, yeah, because these physical, I remember once I fractured my tibia and luckily I had the Obama, I had all that stuff, but the bill without that would have been $37,000. And wow. um, because it was an ER visit, it did, it, I paid like a, a grand and that was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so for PT visits, no, those like, are usually associated with a health event. So you'll, again, pay the first $500 of that health had, event. And you pay for the, the surgeries, everything, and then the PT also comes with it? Yeah. So PT, you can continue submitting your bills to our app, and that'll get added to you know, what's being requested from crowdfunding. And actually, a lot of PTs have a struggle because insurance might say, you know, you have eight visits, right? But this person might need 12 visits. They might need 16 visits. And then the PT is forced to, you know, stop their care. For crowd health, you know, we're going to rely on the expertise of yeah. the providers okay. and say, okay, they need 12. Great. Go get your 12 visits and, you know, submit that for crowdfunding. You're again going to pay the first 500 of the health event. And above that, we'll submit that. You, we want you to be well. We want you to, you know, proactively take care of your health your health instead of, you know, more of this reactive sick care system that we have today. I love it. I, I really like that a lot. How do you negotiate with the doctors though? Cause you're just you know, like, you're a small company. Why would they even want to listen to you? A lot of it has to do with the revenue cycle management of these hospitals. So their margins are very thin. And like, think about this. If you, you know, you're a pedicab. What if the, your driver or your, the person you're driving said, great, thanks for that ride. I'm going to pay you in two or three months. What would you say? Uh, that would be a big problem. <laughs> That's what's happening in the healthcare system. So they're providing services and not getting paid for two or three months. And then having to work through those claims and correct those claims and go through this whole back and forth and with the with insurance company. And paperwork and try to bankrupt people. And, you know, also if you're like, you know, an illegal immigrant or you're on welfare, or you have all these other benefits, you're, your hands are kind of tied when it comes to that. If you just don't have any money or assets, even if they do like go through these procedures, they're still going to be operating at a loss, um, bankrupting people who don't care anyway. Yeah. And, you know, so now you could say, I'll take... You know, ha you could pay half off if all of a sudden if you'll pay in cash, right? Or I'll you can get sixty percent off the bill if you'll pay me in cash today for this service. And we determine what is a fair, you know, use. What is that fair value exchange for my time? And that's where I think Bitcoin can really help disrupt the healthcare industry too, because the electronic medical record systems, those complicated billing systems, take six to ten percent of every transaction. So you think the Visas and Mastercards of the world are bad at two or three percent? This is even higher amount of that value exchange is going to a third party to process the claim and the payment. Wow. With, with Lightning, we could send that value at the speed of light and for a fraction, you know, for a few sats, right? A fraction of a penny. So that's 
value back to the provider. So with CrowdHealth, we'd love to help. And you know, we're partnering with different companies in the Bitcoin space to want to orange pill more doctors, right? And say, hey, you so can I, get this value today. And we're giving final you, settlement, and we can pay you in Bitcoin. And you could just are you able to even talk to the hospital providers and saying we're going to give you Bitcoin? Because aren't there like little law? Aren't there kind of like laws and regulations and stuff that? <laughs> These hospitals can't just like start setting up wallets and taking Bitcoin payments. So they'll still, you know, Bitcoin is still treated, you know, as an asset and any capital gains, if you send it, you know, from an accounting perspective, you know, those are taxable. So today it isn't treated as, you know, full currency. I think that could change, you know, in the future and that'll reduce some of the friction from an accounting perspective. But there are hospitals and doctors, you even go back, you know, eight, 10 years who have been accepting Bitcoin, whether that's the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, who are providing a whole sheet of prices and say, this is our price. You can pay in Bitcoin, you can pay in dollars, and this is what it's going to cost. So it's awesome guys, to see. Do you guys provide us, sorry if I'm interrupting. No, go ahead. Do you guys provide people with a list of um, um, crowd... What's it called? Crowd health friendly doctors. When you go, when you go, like if I sign up for this, right? Because I'm not gonna sign up until like January, which is when my thing expires. But if I sign up for this in January, um, and I live in Johnson City right now, but I work in Austin, are you gonna provide me with a list of crowd health friendly providers that you have worked with in that area? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go on the app and go through our find a doc process, and we'll show you here, here are the docs in your area who a lot of them with. yeah that we've worked with or these are independent docs that have a fair price you know we'll do that work on your behalf as well to say here are your options now go get the care that you need um, but have a list and providers love it right so we've even in the story of uh, you know the ER visit with the boating accident the doctors who worked with our member they had su the member had such a good experience and told the doctors about it they actually joined crowd health as providers and now as members themselves and for their family. So we've, we've got, uh, I think almost a hundred providers, whether they're doctors, nurses, therapists, this really uh, others for, in this group. This would be really good for petty, for our entire pedicab industry. A hundred percent. This would be excellent. I, um, I don't have Facebook, but there's a, a, a Facebook group called pedicabbies and I'm going to, I'm going to, um, when this episode comes out, I'm going to share it with, um, somebody to post on pedicabbies. Cause I think this is actually super, um, informative. For a lot of people, and a lot of us do not have healthcare. Um, yeah, it's overlooked from not, the system. A lot of us are not even taking advantage of the Obamacare bullshit stuff they have, mm -hmm. right? But like, it's something that I think everyone should have. We have a job that we do put our, our bodies at risk. We we risk getting hurt from accidents, from pe people be, um, attacking us, from God knows what, right? Like, um, and it's a fun job. I love it, and for the most part, it's not like super difficult. But there are risks that we take doing this job that other people do not take, mm -hmm. and it's and this is a service that everybody should be able to have. Um, and we also, I, t I think I talked about this with you, and I know you can't do anything about it now, but we're having some insurance problems ourselves because mm. um, I think we had two of the three um, companies that insured us pulled out because they were worried about liability. Oh wow! And this could put an actual threat in, in terms of our ability to like still continue operating. And so I was just wondering if there's anything. Um, you guys can do or if there are any resources that you know or any type of alternative ways for us to have multiple insurance options so that we don't have to be um price gouged by one company yeah and i'd welcome you know we welcome all pedicabbers into crowd health because you're you know part of the gig economy and we're looking to partner with other companies that you know, our platforms for gig economy workers, because you're right, it's overlooked part of the system. You're an independent entrepreneur, you're owner of your business, you're hustling throughout the day. And the way that our employer-based insurance, again, legacy, 
it doesn't fit, right? Or you're a digital nomad or you're moving around throughout the country and you're not going to be in, in one place for a while. And this narrow network of docs, you know, how many people even our age have, you know, you, would you say you have a doctor, you know, that you go to consistently? Like, right, probably not. But if something comes up, you want to know that you'll have the support and access to medical care and support from a payment perspective. So I think that it's our model is great for um, for pedicabbers to to become members of crowd health and ditch the insurance. Don't go, you know, ditch, uh, you know, the traditional model of Obamacare. And now we have this other way. Yeah. I hope you have flyers and stuff here, um, or something that we can do to talk to, I'll give my boss's phone number so he could talk about this and we could even share this. We have a WhatsApp. Actually, there's a, a WhatsApp chat that I'm in with like the people in our, in our company. And I'll, I'll definitely share this episode. I'll share information about about you and what we're doing from a health standpoint, because this is like pretty invaluable stuff. Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, we've got a, another promo as well. I, gig, I hope it gig crowd. Um, yeah, it, you know, use gig crowd, sign up or reach out to me. You know, we've got the channels are open. We're trying to grow. We're trying to support more people out there that are overlooked and building this parallel system for health and getting access to the tools you need, whether it's discount drugs, discount labs, uh, telemedicine, you know, getting, uh, you know, that navigation support as well, just so many pieces of it. And then also from a Bitcoin perspective, you know, the company actually started without Bitcoin, um, but because members are holding this value in the crowdfund account, Andy was orange pilled by Jimmy Song, actually another uh, Austinite here and said, Hey, let's hold this value in Bitcoin. We're saving for future healthcare needs. We have this decentralized money. Now we have a decentralized group of individuals who are all about the country and you know, eventually this, there's no reason why this can't work throughout the world as well, right? We're not insurance. Yeah. Like people want to support each other. It's a natural inclination as and, a human and to be there. Okay. And you could take some, you could take money out of that account whenever you want, right? Like, let's say like right now I spent a year on, on crowd health, right? And I put in, well, let's say so you, I put in a, a buck 75 a month, right? With a hundred. So what is a hundred and one seventy five? Like the weighted average, like one thirty five a month. Um, and you know, you, te- you get, um, I, I get, basically I put in like a hundred bucks a month of my own Bitcoin on a weighted average for a year. Right. And then I spend about, cause that's probably what it winds up becoming with, with all that stuff. So, yep. um, with, with all that, um, and then you spend about what, like 70 bucks of it on helping people. So what it averages out to each month, even a little bit less. Yeah. Yeah. Even less than Let's that. 70 bucks. Yeah. Okay. So now you have 300 bucks that you just got, you accumulated in one year while Bitcoin was kind of at these prices, hypothetically, let's say Bitcoin goes to a hundred X. Um, now you have $1,500. So now you have, 50, now your 300 just turned to $1,500. Yeah. So while you're in crowd health, you can't pull the money out, but if you leave crowd health, you can pull it out. And if you say you get $5,000, you know, in your Swan account and you've got $5,000 worth of Bitcoin, you've been accumulating for your family or for yourself and stacking sats and the community's taking care of each other, you can start to pull some sats, you know, off the platform while you're still in uh, yeah, crowd that's, health. That's, that's what I'm so we haven't right? gotten there yet from just a timing perspective and also, you know, where Bitcoin pricing level is at. Still, if I'm still, put, you know, making those payments, but all of a sudden now, like, you know, the value of the Bitcoin has, you know, 5X, I could put, um, I, I could pull off the profits that I'm making. Yep. Um, from there, have it in a separate wallet or use those, use those SaaS or something else and yep. still make those payments and be part of that network. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And now you haven't been paying premiums that you literally never get back. And that's the trade-off, right? For an individual, you're exactly right. You can save, that's your money, that's your Bitcoin. Uh, and now we have this tool 
right? And other tools to take advantage of, uh, you know, in building a new system, a new way of operating for ourselves and aligning incentives in a way that the current system just doesn't, you know, doesn't allow for, whether it's, you know, people from a moral hazard perspective, you know, you think someone else, oh, insurance is paying for this. Well, really that is someone else. So you're dumping your health debt, you know, onto other people. So for crowd health, it's very much, you know, take responsibility for your health. We'll give you all the tools that you need and now be a part of a community that will support each other in those big bills so that, you know, none of our members are one of those people going into debt, right? And we'll do anything, whether it's bringing attorneys, you can fight. Uh, there's a great book, Never Pay the First Bill, Marshall Allen, uh, that I recommend, you know, from to read and just show that there are a lot of ways that we can, you know, help navigate. And then as a pedicabber, you know, you have the support. Uh, of crowd health to navigate any healthcare issue. You could also literally hit up the entire MMA and jiu-jitsu community that would love this stuff. Yeah. And if you have any connections, intros there, you know, would love to chat with them. One of my best friends is actually in uh, into jiu-jitsu. He's been down in Brazil and, and for the last few years. And uh, his, his girlfriend actually just joined um, because she's uh, came from Brazil. And again, the non- the traditional system doesn't serve her and you know for crowd health you have a u.s address come and join right so right now you know as frictionless as possible welcoming members into the community and you know it's it's fun it's fun for me you know my background in working in healthcare uh the last few years and even most recently medical supplies and going down the bitcoin rabbit hole and really wanting to work on Bitcoin adoption. Went to El Salvador last year. I don't know if you're coming down for adopting Bitcoin. Uh, well, I need, I need to figure out a way to, if I can afford it and I gotta get my passport updated. When is it? <laughs> All right, uh, it's in a few weeks. So uh, it, it's, yeah, it's coming not. up soon, but at some I'm point- I'm probably not gonna do it for this one. Probably, probably, for, probably next year, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, get down to El Zonte, you know, go to Bitcoin Akasi, you know, in Muscle Bay in South Africa. These are some of the communities I've visited that it's just so inspiring to see communities building this circular economy using Bitcoin. You don't need credit cards. You don't need these legacy systems. And now in the healthcare side, you know, we can disrupt healthcare and it's such a big industry. And again, so confusing. Yeah. Um, It's amazing. And you have a lot of like the the mainstream news, like to really eat up El Salvador because they bought Bitcoin, unfortunately, while it was like, while it was going down from the top, they were buying dips at the top. you know, and they're talking about how much money they've lost on that. But what they all, what they fail to mention is that tourism has increased by 300%. Um, mm-hmm. Crime has gone down um, dramatically. Yep. Um, you're going to see a influx of European businessmen moving to El Salvador. Once you get um, gas and energy shortages and um, all types of problems that are going to start occurring in the winter. And then you're going to really see a big game changer. Yeah. And they're mining, you know, using geothermal energy right from the volcano. And that's proof of work. And similarly for health, it takes work to take care of yourself and stay balanced. You know, you're driving around Austin and I, we actually hopped on a pedicab after ACL and it was, you know, super busy and fun. I know that was a busy weekend for you guys. I'm sure you accepted Bitcoin because I was telling people that all the time. And um, no, he didn't. But that would that would be fun. I would love to do that. I literally was telling people, I'm like. How much is it to go from ACL to like to downtown and like you know the, if you're going to rainy from like ACL at like at nine o'clock with all that the craziness with supply and demand in the market I'm like yo two hundred dollars baby and they're like I'm not paying that I'm like well yo listen I'll give you you know throw me a buck fifty if you send Bitcoin you know throw me a buck twenty you know and then <laughs> yeah. I don't have Bitcoin I don't I don't need, I don't have that or like normally I'm like you know for like a mile a ride that's like a mile long or something like 40 bucks and like well that's expensive I'm like how about 30 and i'm like well, if you send bitcoin i'll do 30 and they just exactly like, nobody knows what this stuff even like it's kind of amazing how um 
Austin's such a tech hub, but everyone here is so technologically and financially illiterate. Yeah, I mean, or they just are, or they just don't want to share, and they just say they don't, they don't or, or they just don't want to share and just pretend like they don't have any. Yeah, and I think it, you know, it just shows you how early we are still. And I love, I moved down to Austin with my wife down from Chicago, although we've been nomadic the last couple of years, and it's fun to interact with other Bitcoiners here, but also, yeah, welcoming others to the community. We have Bitcoin breakfast, you know, every other week down at, at Meteor. Uh, and other events going on at the Bitcoin Commons. We're working all the time in, in Austin Bitcoin Club and BitDev. There's so many ways to learn. Early, though, dude. They're <laughs> too early, man. Yeah, well, come down and hang out and chat because I think that, you know, and it's cool. I'd be interested to hear your convos with as you're driving around the city. Are you able to, to do some good orange filling or it takes some time? I try to. I mean, I got my rap. I, got, I have all these conspiracy theory rap songs. I like just play them for people. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just waking people up in a different standpoint. But once in a while, though, like sometimes, I mean, once in a while you have like good discussions with the stuff. But like generally speaking, like I know so little about this that it's difficult because I also recognize how little I know when it comes to this ass. I just yep. know the basics. I just understand like the halving occurs every four years. Only 21 million can be mined. You know, um, you need like a, um, a um, majority consensus of node operators to like validate a transaction. And you don't know who the node operators um, are. And your ability to validate or not validate is not dependent upon how much Bitcoin you had. It just has to do with you operate everybody just operating the node. So I mean, it just seems like it's fair. And if you yep. have, and if you have like um, this stuff in a hard asset, no one can take it unless you're giving phrases out which you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And if you have a multi sig, that's even more impossible. Yeah. So it just Security. seems like it just seems um, like I, I, and I and I never tell people I'm not I'm not like telling people yo buy Bitcoin go do this because you could lose half your money. You don't know what could happen. Right. You could like not be responsible. You might not have the responsibility to manage having full custody of your own finances. You just might not be able to. So you just instead of saying that, you're like, hey, man, you should learn about this. You should read the Bitcoin standard. You should you should understand sound money or maybe put like one percent of whatever you have that you can afford to kind of like mm-hmm. let ride forever or not or, or lose or not spend on shoes or fancy dinners. And just put it into put in some Bitcoin for five years. and Let it sit there like um, your risk reward ratio is a lot higher. And, you know, when Bitcoin was like 50K, I wasn't, I was t- I wasn't telling people to buy, buy Bitcoin when it was 50K. Yeah. I was and you like, don't... hey, man, you should learn about it. Hey, you should buy it. But if you lose half your money, don't get upset because just, 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 just keep slowly accumulating more because this is how this asset performs. And I wouldn't, you know, just, just understand what you're doing when you get it. Right. But I'm not, I never like walk around like shilling stuff. Yeah. Right? I think people need to ask the questions for themselves and think critically. And, you know, when you go down, and ask yourself, you know, what is money? You know, what is the purpose of of money, and how did it evolve? And when you read the Bitcoin Standard, or you read Layered Money, uh, or other, you know, the Seventh Property, other tools to understand what money is and how it's been used, starting in store value, into medium of exchange, and now into unit of account. This is a money. It's a tool for us to exchange value, and it's a way for us to have. Now, censorship-resistant money, really that seventh property of money that, you know, can't be messed with. We know what the supply is. It's going to be $21 million. You know, with the fiat, and people think yeah, in the short term it's volatile, well, that's compared to fiat, dollar. And all the 40% of all dollars that were ever created it, were created in the last couple of years, it was 80%. right? 80%. Yeah. And 80%, not 40 Now, now we're, we're growing even more. So, you know, that's going to continue as the money becomes more and more abundant, everything else becomes scarce. If money is scarce, everything else becomes abundant. And we can actually get rewarded for that technological wow. advances and innovations things, that we're doing. Things become abundant, but um, a lot of people have jobs and livelihoods and streams of income that are based upon um, 
things that have absolutely no value. So there's going to be a lot of also pain as you transition too. like yeah. the content creator on TikTok is going to be the, the content creator on TikTok or the only fans model is going to be in a world of hurt. You know? Yeah. You have um, to be able to create the, value. Uh, the bureaucrat or the um, adjuster at United Healthcare, you know, or the gender studies professor or the like Middle Eastern philosophy professor in the 1870s. Um, that guy's going to be in a lot of, that guy's going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, There'll definitely be some, some reshuffling for sure. Uh, there are going to be a lot where... of jobs that just don't, that are just going to have no values. Even like people who like work in museums and stuff or work in like art galleries or, or stuff like that. Or like, there's going to be so many, um, a lot of government jobs are not going to exist anymore. And anybody who's on a government payroll is going to really they, they, they don't want that stuff because they're not going to have that stability anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where it's important to find, you know, what, what you want to do, what you can do and to pr provide value, you know, create value in this world. And I think that is a challenge, you know, day in, day out for individuals or we're so, you know, stuck in the, the rat race or the hamster wheel that you can't take a, take time to really step back and, you know, think about and these things. And, and it's a hamster wheel to produce nothing. It really is. It's a hamster wheel to produce nothing. And it's high time preference, right? It's thinking it's consumption. It's, uh, you know, get more, buy more of this today. Well, with Bitcoin, now all of a sudden you're stacking sats and you're preserving your future purchasing power. You change your thinking. It changes your habits. It changes you in, I think, a really profound way. And in a similar way, ditching health insurance, it changed me. I'm delightfully, and Andy always says this, I'm delightfully uninsured. Like I don't, you don't need insurance, right? Yeah. You don't need this middleman. Just like you don't need a bank, we can transact value. Now we have all these tools to, you know, really take care of ourselves in another way that also can change you, that yeah. also can change, and, you know, the also, way you're operating. So when things are too, like with, with single parish systems and all that stuff, uh, when you become too dependent upon centralized entities, you're giving them way too much power over your day-to-day -day lives. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, I crashed a Bernie Sanders rally. <laughs> okay. How was uh, that? I, I mean, it was fun. Like, I mean, I don't hate the people that are voting for him. I understand like why this has so much traction. Like I voted for him twice in 2016 in primary and, and 2020 in primaries mm -hmm. um, because he's a, he's, he was making more sense than everybody else that was running when it came to this stuff. Mm -hmm. Just the solutions are terrible. The solutions just obviously don't work when you learn more about it. But you know, um, I was with my friend Alex Rosen and he went off and said the same, the standard right wing stuff like, you know, you have three houses, you're a fraud and this and that. And I just went, went in there and I said, Hey, everybody needs healthcare but only if you take a vaccine by Pfizer or Moderna, mm. you know, or like, Hey guys, we have to tax the rich so that we can build more prisons and send money to Ukraine. And like that, that yeah. was kind of like the gist of what yeah. I was saying. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Hey, well, thank you for supporting lockdowns. Cause now Amazon has enough money to pay their employees a livable wage. So I, I mean, it's just a lot of platitudes versus, yeah. you know, work, you know, show the work, you know, there's, a lot out there that we can do, you know, take it into your own hands and decentralize it in a way that, you know, you don't need to rely on yeah. someone else or Cause, any handouts cause to these, get the services that you need. What these supporters are saying, like, they're not wrong about how the healthcare system is broken. And they're not wrong about mm -hmm. how we should end corporate healthcare and, and stop that. Um, it's just that their solution of a single payer system through a government entity where a bunch of these people were friends with Jeffrey Epstein telling you what to do and giving you health advice is probably not the best idea. And, you know, Part of it, like part of what you're making, you're still you're listening to those people. You're just coming up with a better solution that they will actually benefit from versus getting sick from. Yeah, and it's it's tools, it's ways to access and pay for medical care and take you know be proactive in your health. And 
save for the future and go to any doctor and, you know, recreate that patient doctor relationship too, that I think is so missing in the system. You know, doctors have what, seven minutes to, to talk to you because it's become, it's a fee for service model and it's hyper, hyper efficient. That's actually burning out, you know, more and more docs, or you have a shortage of doctors now in, especially in rural areas. So I think our tools as well fit really well with farmers and ranchers and others out there who, and other entrepreneurs, you know, I go to the farmer's markets here and they're super fun in, in Austin yeah. uh, to check them out. And, you know, everyone there, they're, you're creating value, whether it's, you know, selling beef or flowers or, you know, whatever, or goat milk soap, right? Like it's, yeah. there's so, so much creativity out there and everyone has to do something for their health, right? We're all human. We're all evolving in different ways. Um, but so much of the top-down information even has just been, whether it's the food pyramid or um, what you're learning as a kid, like it, it's so wrong. It's, well, it yeah, doesn't it's really teach you chemical. about your body. It's created by like literal chemical companies. It's high, time, it's high time preference money and it's high time preference nutrition. Yeah. So we can question that and say, what is going to fuel me well? Well, maybe a meat, you know, more, uh, high protein dense diet and getting beef, shaking your rancher's hand and getting regeneratively yeah, farmed and also beef. Eating real vegetables and working out and sleeping enough and doing all that stuff and um, having healthy relationships with people. And, you know, you can look, I think if you surround yourself with like loving, positive people, you're less likely to drink alcohol, you know, and, yeah. and the less alcohol you drink, the healthier you get. So literally like surrounding yourself with love is good for your health. Yeah. And we see just a deterioration of health in the country. I mean, life expectancy right. went down two years, six having, and 10 of a like, chronic condition like, or just or going back to like having some traditional values that are just not cool to talk about in the media. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you have those values, you're not getting you're not getting wasted three times a week. Yeah, um, because you got like your wife or you got your fiance mm -hmm. or your long term partner that you're with and only and, and that's the only person you're with um, and you and you have your energy harness then you have like real community versus like, you know, haven't got laid in like a month and now you got to go out and try to find some chick that will bang you and you don't know what she has and you got to probably drink a bunch of alcohol to like loosen yourself up to actually try to like try to go try to go do this it's just a mess like why would anybody want that it's so it's, it's unhealthy no it's a high time yeah it's high, it's high, high time, time preference. preference no yeah and very high time preference and so i think you know shifting just the base layer of society which really is is the money you know we have this in the commons fix the money fix the world you know i truly believe in that and i think as humans will wrap our it takes time to kind of wrap our heads around that we are still that early you know 14 years now only since white paper, you know, gold took thousands and thousands of years to monetize, right? But we know that, okay, gold is doubling in supply every 50, 60 years. And gold can, is, falls prey to centralized governments or banks, you well, know, in order to trade. all the gold and they'll issue the central bank digital currency, but they'll just have, but, but they don't care because they just have total control over you, right? And they're the, the largest stores of gold are central banks and governments. So they already have the wealth consolidated. Mm -hmm. They want the central bank digital currency because they have all the gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And versus the trends in Bitcoin, you see it becoming more and more decentralized because as, you know, especially those that might have been mining early on are now in the growth rate, you know, it's gone up 200% year over year for the last decade in terms of fiat price. And that may not continue into the future at that level. But then as you evaluate a business and say, is it, you know, more um, profitable for me to just hold Bitcoin or to you know invest in this business or 
Yeah. Uh, and when those multiples oh. come down and are normalized, now we have just better access. And then those Bitcoin getting continually distributed to those providing and, and, value yes, in society. And, and honestly, like the first trillionaire could be a guy like, I mean, not me, but you know, some, some, some guy like us could be the world's first trillionaire. And I would rather, you know, the world's first trillionaire be somebody who values these principles versus somebody like a Zuckerberg or, or a Jeff Bezos or something like that. You know, I think it's better for society. It's better for growth. It's better for actual um, human freedom and idea and, and positive ideas and positive values and positive growth to flourish. So I think that this is, this is a really important thing. And then the more Bitcoin grows, the more you, um, and I saw this podcast with Marty Benton, and Angela McCardle, like, um, you know, you, if you change, like act locally, like think globally, mm -hmm. right. Or, or, um, act locally so that you can deglobalize. You know, that's how I, how I look at it. Right. So like, um, I'm in Blanco County now. Mm -hmm. Not that much. There's not. There's no money going in Blanco County um, city races. There's no money going into like the Blanco County judge. Yeah. You know. So why can't like the Bitcoin community fill that void and start um, appointing Bitcoiners to be like the judges in Blanco County? Why don't you have a bunch of Bitcoiners on the city council in Blanco County? You know, or in Johnson City, or in Blanco, or in Marble Falls? Like, why not? Like the opportunity is there because there's no money in there. And like this is what these like progressive socialists did. They put a bunch of Soros funded DAs to to do criminal justice, and if they can do it. Why can't we do it? Because our values actually align with the people that we're representing. Yeah, there's I a think lot. There's a lot of opportunity in that. In that, more and more, yeah, in the political sphere, you know, more Bitcoiners and others that are aligning with Bitcoin, you know, and I think you have to call out and see, okay, make sure, you know, there's a proof of work that those guys and women, you know, girls need to do, women need to do to just say, hey, do we really understand Bitcoin or am I kind of LARPing here? But I do think that that'll become more of a single voter, you know, issue because making adoption more seamless for businesses benefits the small business owner and yeah. pushes away from you know all the centralizing forces that we've seen in our economy and especially in healthcare you know even to the fact that united healthcare is the seventh biggest company in the world by revenue they own optum right that's the pharmacy benefits manager they're negotiating with themselves no. for the, the price of drugs that that's then you end up paying like it doesn't it doesn't make sense that's absolutely crazy but anyway uh, we've talked for about an hour yeah. How do we get a hold of you? How do we get a hold of CrowdHealth? How do you get more people like um, involved with this? Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, Alex. Uh, my name is John. I'm, you can find me on Twitter at the Bitcoin Yogi. Okay. I uh, see a lot of overlaps with Bitcoin and yoga, and got my yoga teacher training uh, earlier this year. Nice. So I share a lot of thoughts there. Um, and go to joincrowdhealth.com. Okay. And use the promo code HODL, H O D L. You can get the first six months at $99 a month. Or use Gig Crowd. You know we've got uh, a lot of gig economy workers in Crowd Health. Welcome you to reach out, ask questions. Um, John at joincrowdhealth.com. If you want to shoot me an email, however you want to get in touch with me, with me, would love that. Would love to connect. And yeah, reach out to Crowd Health if you have a business as well. You could be a great option, alternative instead of traditional insurance. Uh, so uh find us at the bitcoin comments and i hope you'll stop by maybe you can give us a ride sometime alex i'm about when, uh, it we're Dude, going you, well, you got my number so let me know and i yeah. you know i offer discounts if you send bitcoin okay. all proceeds go to fight communism so uh <laughs> john thank you so Amazing. much i really appreciate it thank you thanks for having all me right. on this was fun <laughs>